In this episode of the Encourage Inspire podcast, I'm joined by entrepreneur and leadership coach MJ Tolan. Uh, MJ and I start off the episode talking about him leaving the United States in 1983, going to London and deciding to stay in Europe and build several businesses. He talks about consumers overseas never having been exposed to several different products and services, which he found to be quite interesting, especially coming from a capitalist society in America. MJ talks about how the new business model within the music ecosystem has changed to adding value first as a creative and the fans will follow. I share that record labels today often don't really know what they're doing in terms of a one-size-fits-all approach of how they will put a creative on. MJ shares an analogy of a young person being in high school and having a summer job so they can buy a car. There's often only two ways you can get the car, either by taking out a loan or having a generous relative purchase the car. In order to go to the bank and get approved for a loan, the bank is going to ask you to see a history of how many loans are paid off in your name that would give them the assurance that you, as the person applying for the loan, could actually pay off the loan. MJ says the music industry often is going to ask for a similar history before they're willing to make that change, so willing to make that large investment into a creative talent no matter how great. MJ shares that oftentimes, if the indie creative hasn't been coached or groomed to possess the proper skills that not only develops their artistry, but even more their leadership and soft skills, they have a very difficult time achieving success. Uh, MJ and I share that one commonality that we both experience while working with creatives is that they're horrible salespeople in today's marketplace. Now, MJ shares, shares that it's often not because they can't sell something, but rather it's because they're sensitive. They're often sensitive with their art. I share that it's always great for creatives who can do a little bit of both in terms of business and creative because the indie creatives who can understand brand and how to deliver the messaging, which is often called brand voice, are really able to set themselves in motion for success. I asked MJ what an indie creative who's just starting out thinks about in preparation to set themselves on a path for success in building a successful music career. He shares a story about Aretha Franklin, who at the time was not well known and struggled to find a successful sound and vibe. Even though she had great talent, Aretha at the time was signed to a well-known record, record label in North, in North America. Even with all the great resources they attempted to use in getting her the right song, she made the decision to go to a small town in Alabama called Muscle Shoals and record a song called Respect. The moral of the story is, MJ shares, there's no magic formula for success. There are, there, are, there are creators who haven't been successful because of the lack of quality mentorship. MJ talks about knowing what your why is and that if you have an ego to be able to know why, you allow an ego to get in the way of your success as a creative. He shares that creativity doesn't come in a box and for every creative, the process of how, they, how to display their creativity. MJ and I talk about his book, Executive Powers, which MJ wrote that talks about the lessons he learned as an entrepreneur. I shared that there are a lot of skills that executives in the corporate space must learn that can also be applicable to building a successful music business, such as leadership traits, skills, the ability to build and put together successful teams. MJ shared a quote from his book that says, respect works exactly like a debit card. He shares that with all the success that he's achieved, especially when he was in his early to mid thirties, he wishes he had mentorship and someone to show him the value in respecting everyone around him. Uh, MJ and I end the episode talking about remaining humble and the fact that the music industry is such a timely business. Uh, MJ and I talk about creators being able to implement systems 
MJ shares the analogy of using a lemonade stand as a business to implement systems that help a business run successfully. He talks about needing resources, position, and location and exposure. In terms of music, the ability to be able to have resources that allow creatives to be able to go to individuals that can help their product be able to compete in the marketplace that allow consumers and key industry pros to take notice. MJ shares a story about a woman that he interviewed on his podcast entitled Mission Impossible, Jessica Cox, who was born with no arms and was determined and dedicated to achieve her goals no matter what the obstacles were in front of her. She learned how to fly a plane and through her foundation was able to raise money and awareness for those who were born with disabilities. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Encouraging Inspire podcast. This is episode 17, and I've got another special guest, my colleague and friend, Coach MJ Tolan. How are you doing today, MJ? Darrell, I am absolutely so pleased to be with you, and congratulations on your podcast, by the way. I think you're doing a great job. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, you know, we got connected through our colleague and friend, Yolanda, and that's how we got connected, and we were on a panel together. And right, right, I just right. loved your energy, man. I loved everything about what you were doing, and, and and I'm like, wow, this is this is awesome. This is definitely somebody. And you have championed me and followed my content and let me know that I'm doing the right things. And it just feels so good to know that I've made an impact on you, and and you uh you respect what I do because. I'm all about respect and earning, you know, the respect of my colleagues and friends. And, and cause I really feel like I'm out here, especially in the, in, in the entertainment space, uh, blazing a trail, somebody who's born with a disability and doing the things that I've done, you know, uh, being featured in seven magazines, been to six different countries, really navigating the space, helping creatives, you know, do what they love to do. And there's not a lot of people out here like me in the space, you know? That's very true. And I mean, come on, uh, your pedigree is pretty strong. Full sale university. Yes, man. sir. <laughs> Nothing to shake a stick at. Right. That's, the best, that's right. the best school in the country. Right. Yeah. I was valedictorian of my class, advanced achiever. And, you know, one of the reasons why you know, I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York, but I was raised in Orlando. And so uh, after, you know, I've been in the entertainment industry since 2004. So this is 17 years now I've been in the industry. And one of the reasons why, obviously, I did not initially intend to go to Full Sail when I first started. It was not, it was not something I wanted to do at first. But over time, uh, it just made sense for me to pursue something I love. And if I was going to go back and get my degree, I wanted to do with something, something I'm passionate about. Like a lot of people go to college for the wrong reason. You're not for them. They go for to please somebody else. And for me, it was, if I want to go do this, I'm going to go do it for me. <laughs> You know awesome. what I'm, you know what yeah, I mean. And sure. so, sure. not because your mama told you so, right? Full cell just made sense. And so, after graduation, being on the business side, there, there's only really five cities that's considered 
um, industry hubs for music and entertainment, mostly. And we're talking talk on the music side. You have L.A. That was just too far for me. L.A. was too far, too spread out because I don't drive. So it'd be really tough for me to get around L.A. on my own. And then you talk about, then you have Nashville. And Nashville is, I've been to Nashville, but it snows in Nashville. I don't do the snow, Right. And then Atlanta, I love Atlanta again. It's too spread out. And then obviously you have Miami. I live in Orlando. And then you got New York. So it just made sense for me to stay right where I am. And that kind of meant I was going to have to do things a little bit differently because this is Mickey Mouse Town. It's not necessarily, you know, just no longer the 90s where you had Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and all that going on here. So, but I knew that based off what I could do, that it really didn't matter where I was living. It really didn't matter that I was living in Orlando. I could still impact lives through the internet and through, um, and just through my, my knowledge and expertise. And, and I've been fortunate enough to be able to help quite a few people over the last um, six and a half years or so. Yes, you have. <laughs> so. And I see you've got quite a following going and it's continuing to grow. So kudos to you, sir. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to get to your story. You know, this podcast, I cover three topics, one of three on each episode. So it's either going to be about disability awareness, because I was born with a disability, or it's going to be about music business topics that help independent creatives, or, and it's also, or it's going to be about people's stories that occur and inspire me. And so I really feel like you are somebody that is just I just your story is amazing, especially when it comes to, you know, entrepreneurship and leadership training and all these things that are so important that we don't always anticipate with the entertainment space for a lot of creatives. You know what I mean? And some of the stuff that you teach and you and you've been you've been known to do is stuff that we really need really need in in the space of entertainment because I'm dealing with independent creatives and artists that are at the beginning levels of their careers that don't have to understand that they're business owners. When they jump into this industry, because we're no longer in the record label driven industry now. So, so this is really about building your business. And so a lot of the stuff that from researching you, a lot of the stuff that you talk about is really applicable now in, in where we are in, in the space. So that's why I said I was excited to have you on. Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'd, I'd like to just, Go over so so your your podcast does three silos. One talks about uh, success stories with people with disabilities. Yes. Well, no. Yeah. It, it talks about disability awareness, right? So essentially, awareness. So so okay. yeah. And then it talks okay. about uh, people music business stuff on the business side that can help creatives. And the third thing is people's stories in general that just encourage and inspire. So those are kind of three silos of of what each episode would either cover one of those three topics. Okay, great. Um, well, I can just unpack uh, this for your audience uh, today. Uh, I just came back to the United States two years ago. Okay. So I've been gone before you were born, brother. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I left in 1983. Yeah, and I was born in 85. So <laughs> See, I told yeah. you, I'm not, I'm not lying. <laughs> I took over a project in London and boy, what did, you know, those people speak English in a different funny way, you know? Right. They say things like, Oh, I'm just going to nip over the road there, mate. What? <laughs> what do you say? 
<laughs> so um, when I was there, I had the opportunity to go into on the weekends. You know, if you live in in Orlando, you can you know pop over to Daytona or to Tampa, right? Right. An hour, right. An hour and a half. An right. hour, hour and a half outside of London on a plane, you can be in Paris or Rome. Oh yeah, the easy jet. On the I mean, that's pretty, yeah, that's pretty uh, cool. Yeah, and yeah. so I got really, you know, attracted to to Europe, and so I stayed. I built businesses there, and from one country to the next, from Greece to Spain, and all throughout the Mediterranean, one. I loved it. And then when the wall, a uh, great wall, the Berlin Wall fell, uh, all those people on the other side of the wall had never bought different products or services because they were never exposed to them. Okay. Uh, uh, for example, I had a translator uh, when we went into to Russia and we were doing workshops and seminars in Russia. And he goes, Mr. I want to ask you a question. Said, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Tell me, Sergey. What's what, what do you want to ask? I want to know why you must have more than one ketchup in America. Because in my country, we only need one ketchup. Why you need to have 20 different ketchup? And that was <laughs> It was like blowing his mind to have all these choices, you know, and right. coming from what we were taught was, uh, you know, capitalistic country, commercial exactly. freedom and all that. You know, for me, it was like, are you crazy? How could you only have one? And he was looking at it from the other point of view. Are you crazy? You only need one. And so <laughs> ask yourself a question. i just, you know, put this aside. Right. This is a non-political question. But there you are, you're at a diner, they serve you your burger, you're hungry, they bring you some hot fries, they look really good, you just put the salt and the pepper on and everything, and you're missing some ketchup. Do you really care what the brand is that they bring you? You just want some ketchup, right? Right. So right. maybe he had a point, I don't know. <laughs> well, I think, in it, I guess here, right, so the different brands, like for instance, if you have a hunch ketchup versus not me, you know, I buy the generic ketchup because for me, it's just whatever. But again, that's part of us being in America. But there are certain products that taste different. Right. No, no, no. Listen, listen. we're going to go into a whole different thing. Now. We're gonna <laughs> yeah, test. we won't we're get into that. We're going to turn this into a food program. Yeah, but, yeah. The, but you're right. <laughs> the point is, is that what the guy was saying is that's the only thing he'd been exposed to. So that's all he knew. Therefore, that's all he could see. Ah, and I'm okay. going to take this metaphor okay. with it throughout this session today because you are in the business of helping a creative along their journey okay. to help them find their inner voice, to help them f to identify what their who and why is their brand there and what it's all about and who, who are their fan base and how they can build that fan base right. so that they can understand that at the end of the day, it's no longer a label-driven business. It's value, add value first yes. as an artist, and yes. then fans will follow. And that's, right. and, that, and that's the business model of today, I think, it, yeah. right? Oh, you're right. You're exactly right. That, that's the only way it really is because record companies now – only want to invest in businesses that are already profitable. Right, right, sure. They, and it doesn't have to be a huge profit. It just has to be, you have, you have to show them that you're doing something already because they don't want to do the work. Right. The truth is, MJ, you know, they don't really know what they're doing, to be honest with you. 
because they can't. No, because tell it's being you. run by lawyers and accountants, lawyers right. and accountants, lawyers and accountants. And they can't really tell you. Nobody can tell you how to put a person, how to put a person on, whatever that means, right? So you have to get yourself on, and all they're going to do is pour gasoline or whatever you got already going, because they know they've got they've got banked, they've got the money, right? So they yeah, can sure. they can pour they can pour bank on what you've already done. So everybody thinks they need a record label when the truth is the record label isn't going to do what you think it's going to do for you if you don't already have a foundation in place. And if you don't have that foundation, understand it's not going to be an ideal situation for you. Yeah. So put it in a different context. Okay. When, when we're in high school, uh, many of us were told, you know, it might be a good idea in the summer, especially to get a summer job, yes? Okay, yep. So we get a little, little pocket change. And then some of us in school actually had a part-time job while we were going to school. And if we wanted to buy a car, we had to either use that money uh, have a, or have a very generous relative who had nothing else to do except buy us our dream car, which didn't happen. <laughs> or um, we could go to the bank. And here's, here's my point. Okay. And we could ask for a loan. And so right. the first thing the bank will ask you is, uh, yeah, no problem. I'm glad you're here. Sit down. Okay. I uh, could just uh, uh, fill up this credit uh, application. And I just need to know uh, how many other bank loans uh, you've paid off. Right. Huh? <laughs> so, so they're asking you for a history before you've had a chance to take your first little wobbly step. Right, and that's right. how the music business is looking at independence today because they're saying you know where where's your where's your portfolio where's your fan base what where is your where what what content do you have which is bankable um and right. if if the artist hasn't had someone to coach them if they haven't had somebody to help lead them and develop them and see the 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 real resonance of passion within the artist mm. um possibly without the right leadership skills and business skills and, and the other essential soft skills, they called them in the old days. Today, yes. they're life-saving skills. They're right. Life yeah. <laughs> and, right. you know, as an artist, uh, I'm not going to speak about myself uh, right now. I'll just simply say that I know many artists and they're horrible salespeople. Yes. Not, <laughs> they don't like not, business. Not, not because they can't sell something. I mean, Artists back in my day could sell anything except themselves. Gotcha. Because that's where they get all sensitive and bruised. If somebody says, yeah, you know, that's a really nice song. I love the riff. Uh, why don't you continue? It's like they, they did this in the Mozart film. I love this uh, movie. Right. Uh, Amadeus, where the king of Austria comes to Mozart after he's written this incredible opera. And he says, so what do you think? And he goes, he says to Mozart, too many notes. Just remove some notes. Right. And he goes, which ones? Oh, I don't know. Just remove some. And so when you say that to an artist, you've just broken his heart. You've just <laughs> popped his bubble. I mean, he's put his heart and soul into that material. And no, uh, they're terrible salespeople in general. Yes. which is why it's always great 
to have somebody to sit on the other side, right. to be yeah. on the business side that knows how to deal with other agencies and other potential promotional opportunities and right. recording opportunities and synergies right. with other artists um, and let them do what they're really good at, what they're passionate about, which is just, you know, creating and making the music and, and putting, putting their heart out in that direction. That's what I, I think. I agree. Uh, but and then you, then you, when you're able to find people also to that know how to do a little bit of both, because I think people, the ones who know how to do a little bit of both are essentially ahead because they understand brand, they understand equity, they understand who their audience is, you know, even even going into the art, they, they get all these things and it's not an overwhelming thing for them. And those are the ones who realize that, okay, I can do this my way. Because if you think about major record companies, they only can really market commercially viable music, right? So let's say you do some off-the-wall type stuff that's not so commercially viable. They might not know what to do with that. <laughs> you know, so they so you may have to figure out, well, they don't know who my audience is, so I, I better find it. You know, because they're not going to know because in the record label days, if that A&R wasn't like, we believe in this, we know what to do with this, they wouldn't even take a chance because that A&R has to be able to lose their job to fight for you, right? And, you know, so so they would be like, hey, I don't know what to do with this, so I'm not even going to take a chance at signing you, you know, because this is just not something we know how to work with. Certain labels were known for certain things. They're known for okay. We we, we work hip hop over here. We work, you know, we work R and B. We work these, you know, we work rock. We work whatever it is we do, and they're known for certain genres. And they usually they would stay away from other genres just because that's not the world that they're in. You know, they don't really spend time in that space. Does that make sense? Or or they're afraid of it because it's new. Yes. And maybe they even like it, but they're afraid the market might not. And so there we go into artistic risk versus financial risk. Right. And talk about that for a second. You know, I always tell people that this is a very expensive business. You as an entrepreneur, talk about the, that portion of it. You know, the initial investment into you. Take somebody that is, that is just starting out. What advice would you would you give somebody from your perspective who knows they have a, a talent, knows they want to make records, but what do they have to think about before they even jump into this? Let's say they haven't recorded anything. Okay. What would you say they have to think about before even hiring somebody like me or just in general mindset wise? Yeah. So it made me think of another story. Okay. And I'm going to share, just share this with you, with you and your audience. Okay. Um, it's a real live documentary, uh, which anybody could look up. And this is a true story. There was a young singer and she was uh, connecting with a <clears throat> well-known record label somewhere in the country. And they had tried and tried and tried. And they knew that this particular singer had lots of talent, but they just couldn't find anything that worked and it just didn't work out. And somehow or another, this singer ended up going to a totally different part of the country 
And in that part of the country, there was a particular vibe. Okay. Uh, you know, like a tribal vibe. You know, when you around the right people, you know, magic happens, etc. So she got into this new vibe, um, and she recorded one song, which changed not only her life and her career, uh, but music in those days. Okay. And the song was called, ironically. And appropriately, the song was called Respect. And the little unknown artist was Aretha Franklin. <laughs> and although she had been contracted by a northern artistic label well-known, she went into a sleepy little southern town in Alabama into a little village called Muscle Shoals into a hole-in-the-wall studio run by a guy that really hadn't done a whole bunch of things, but man, did they make sparks fly. And so, uh, you know what, what I'm trying to say here is that there's not a magic formula and there are people who have gone before artists today. There are people to look at their stories and to be able to see that, you know, some people succeeded, some people gave up, some people went the right way, some people, but what, what you can always find is that there are a lot of artists who find either they get misled, their expectations are, are set in an incorrect way, and they don't have, look at who all, all the stars have been and ask yourself the question. Those who have gone off the turn, taken a left turn, is because they've had poor mentorship. I agree. <laughs> and, and that poor mentorship has ended up costing them. And the number one problem that most artists will face because let's, let's face it, uh, Darrell. Um, I know what I've done in my life. I, I know that you know what you've done in your life. I would be foolish to take credit for anything I've ever accomplished, including being a father. I would, I would be foolish. I have to thank my God right. for everything. So right. when we forget to do that, then we somehow then, we let our little devil ego take over. Right. And when the devil ego takes over, we think we're infallible. We right. think nobody knows anything. We know everything. Shut up and listen to me. Or you don't go, okay, you're fired. You're not going to work for me. And what? What do we got here? We have a baby having a tantrum. Right. Right? And, then, and, that's, and so that, that's the artist that, you know, I've, I've had the opportunity to, to meet and work uh, alongside doing other projects. And I can tell you, uh, if somebody asked me today, and I have family members who, uh, I have, a, uh, you know, one of my nephews, uh, you know, went to one of the best music schools uh, in Boston. Berkeley. And, yeah. Okay. And, and he's, he's an amazing, uh, gifted. Uh, I, would, I think the word that I'm supposed to be using is a shredder. Okay. Um, he, you know, he's, uh, he's probably six hours a day for uh, the last 20 years or more uh, okay. on, on, on his guitar. He's, he's, he's just, he's a, he's a genius. Right. Right. Um, and I think that he would probably be able to tell you and other people uh, who know him probably be able to tell you that if you don't let your ego get in the way, you can go a long way. Absolutely. And sometimes your ego gets in the way either, you know, and then it comes down to why are you doing this? Yeah. Why? Why are you making music? Uh, like, for example, me, me and my young career, 
why was I doing the projects I was doing? And, you know, I, I thought because successful or something, well, found out about 10 years later, I was doing all that to prove something to my dad. Okay. Which is okay. It's cool. But you need to, you need to kind of ask yourself in the beginning, you know, where's your Tony Robbins, you know, one of the great motivators here in America says, you know, find out what is your why? What's yep. your why? What drives you? What's really driving that behavior? You know, people used to ask me when I was a young pup, you know, why do you want to, why do you want to, I would think when I was in school, I wanted to be a doctor. See? Okay. So that sounded like a really cool title, you know, have an MD behind your name. Right. Yeah. And they drive nice cars, live in a fine neighborhood. So I was like all in, I was down for being a doctor. Right. So I, I enrolled into all the classes and schools and I was doing okay. But then I found out some guy, I saw some guys driving this brand new Mercedes. What you doing here? I said, who'd you kill? He said, no, I'm in sales, man. I'm in sales. I'm doing this. And I'm like, really? You mean I don't have to wait eight more years to graduate medical school? I could have a Mercedes like you in six months. He said, yeah, I said, sign me up. <laughs> so, you know, my why, I thought my why to be a doctor was I wanted to save people and help them. But, of course, the real underlying fact, yes, but I wanted to benefit too. I right. wanted to increase, raise my lifestyle. I wanted to have nicer things, live in nicer homes, um, have possessions. Maybe I wanted to impress others. Could have been a girl, could have been my family, whatever. But those are all the things you need to list down when you're an artist starting out. What's your why? And it could be a list of 100 things. That's fine. Exactly. And that might change in two months. Flip it. It doesn't matter. But that's what that's your reason for carrying out your journey. That's what's driving you. And that's good. Some of it might be the wrong reason. Understand what that is. Yeah. Because creativity is doesn't come in a bottle. Right. There's no there's no set for oh yes, uh nurse, uh how many babies were born yesterday? Oh, 45, doctor. Okay, how many creatives do we have? Uh, I don't know. We had uh, 14 girls and the rest were boys. Yeah, but how many creatives? There's no label, right? Right. So creativity is something that just like a diamond, you know, sometimes the right friction, the right moment, the right everything will bring that shine across. And sometimes it helps to have somebody like you in that process to shine that diamond up in the rough to make it brilliant enough to make it be exposed to the right markets, to the right fan base. Oh, that's so true. That is so true. I love that. You know, you are an expert in so many different things. You know, you've, you've written your book, Executive Powers, right? Um, and in that book, you talk about lessons in sales, people management, leadership. And I think that it, that was so interesting. Could I haven't had a chance to read the book yet, but just, and I will, I will read the book. I will get the book, but just in general, those things um, matter so much. Now, you know, stuff you've probably done in the corporate space as entrepreneur, but they're so applicable in the music space. You know, knowing how to manage people, knowing how to build teams, knowing how to be okay with asking for the money. You know what I mean? Like, I think those things are so cool. And because as a, as a, as a music as a creative, you're an entrepreneur. And I, I preach that all the time. So you know, if you want to touch on that a little bit, 
Sure. Well, uh, you, you mentioned the book, so I mean, I would, I would be, I would be a uh, practicing malpractice to myself if I didn't plug it. So go yeah. ahead, plug your book. Plug Executive your book. powers. Um, actually, right before this show, I was uh, on a virtual meeting with some members of my team, and they're coming up with uh, quotes from the book. And this is for a campaign they want to do on Instagram or LinkedIn or something. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, and they were just getting my approval on some of the key quotes that I have. And I just, just finished approving this one uh, only because I mentioned Aretha Franklin, who, okay. by the way, <laughs> I just love. Right. I got That's really loads of Aretha. So, yeah. and, and this song that she belted out, this song that, just absolutely electrified audiences at the time when this song came out. Child, I was in South Carolina. <laughs> and the, some people had their windows down about this morning. I mean, nobody had the boom boxes yet, but the windows were down. You could hear the really? And you knew who was in the car, right? Who was right, this right. That. Well, in life, in leadership, even in a sales situation where you need to create a value proposition so that the other person feels like they're getting a fair deal. Because at the end of the day, you know, even your mama told you it's got to be win-win, right? It's not, can't be, I win, you lose. Right. So, but in, in, in leadership in particular, this is a, this book is based on all the failures I did, not all the successes. Gotcha. Okay. As a young boy, I think when I was 20, 21 years old, I was nearly living in a car for a few months and I wasn't, you know, I was having a hard time. Selling was not really my thing. And selling was based on commission, Durrell. Yeah. So, you know, if you don't sell, you don't, you don't eat. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I came up with this formula and, you know, I, I, that's my first book, Success in 47 Minutes. I talk about the formula I created, which is a true story. And uh, it does work, and I, I have to use it myself all the time. Yeah. But in Executive Powers, I talk about all the mistakes I made as a leader. For example, you know, I went from not making a whole lot of money to making ama- having rains of, you know, floods of money pouring down from the ceiling when I was 23. Right. Right? I was hanging out down in Miami with the Gibb brothers. That's Barry and Robin, you know, okay. uh, the BGs. Okay. And I had private plane. We're going back and forth. And I mean, I'm just, I'm living a crazy life. I was making money uh, doing uh, promotions and marketing. And so, and I had great friends in the music business at the time. Um, some of them were DJs. One of them, uh, one of my best friends, God bless him, who, who was a big, big, big DJ in Miami, Milan Stelanovic, who, who used to be called Shotgun Stone. Okay. All these, all these guys, you know, saw me before this happened to me and then after it happened to me. And let me tell you something. When you suddenly go from making $200 a month to $20,000 a month, and I'm talking 40 years ago, not, not yesterday. Right now, right. right can right. you imagine what that money was like? Oh, no, in that's, like, yeah, yeah. In that's, the 80s, I mean, that was oh, like two, that's like $200,000 a month, right? That's yeah, like $200 now, a year. Right, right, right. right. So, you know, it's like, hey, hey, baby, I, I want to take you out tonight. Let's go to Bahamas for dinner. That was, you know, back then, <laughs> right? Today, that will still work, right? Right. But back then, that was not bad. That's, I'm not trying to come from that point of view. I'm trying to say that because I had the ability to do that, suddenly, 
I did not have a coach or a mentor to tell me, oh, please thank you. Thank God that you have this prosperity. Thank God you have this gift. Now you need to put it under reins. Now you need to control yourself. Now you need to set up a savings plan. Now you need to purchase some real estate. Now you need to handle your investments right. Now you need to show other people respect first. And so the quote from the book I just approved was, respect works exactly like a debit card. Ah, okay. Don't ever think you're going to get any back unless you put some in first. Right. I love that. I love that. And there's a lot of tears to learn that lesson. <laughs> yeah. My yeah. tears. Right. No, no, no. That's really important, especially, you know, because in the entertainment business in general, there's not a lot of integrity or respect. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, I operate that way with respect because I believe that integrity will take you a long way. Even sometimes you may have to sacrifice financially, but then you keep your morals right, your integrity right. It will take you long. It'll, It'll take you longer. It'll take you probably take you a little bit longer, but you you can live with yourself along the way. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's too easy. Like you said before, it's too easy uh, to get your compass uh, mix, mixed up. There's too much electromagnetic currents of right. things that are hashtags and trending and cool. Mm -hmm. And you know, you made it. You you've got big fan base. Suddenly, I'm, I'm using the example of myself. Right, in right, a right. different industry and coming at it from a different part of the industry. And then today, but imagine you're going from rags to riches, right? That's oh, what I'm definitely. trying to say. Yeah. So I'll go from rags to riches. That's where you lose it because then you kind of go, look at me. I right. made it. Right. And then you kind of go, hey, you, I, you know how much I make? You know, don't even talk to me that way. You stand over there. Right. And you begin to talk down to people because you think, that your ego is up here because your fan base is here. Your numbers are here. Um, and you've done so many downloads, et cetera. Right. And you think you're up with the big boys and you're way up in the clouds. Let me tell you something. The universe has a way to calm yourself down. Down, Right. Right. Cause look, so you got to stay humble. Like look, you said. Yeah. This is a, look, this is a people business, man. And, and, and you have to understand that nobody does this alone. And the journey can be really tough when you're by yourself. When you've alienated everybody and nobody wants anything to do with you, uh, there's a producer by the name of Brian Michael Cox. Well, multiple Grammys, mostly in the R&B space and, 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 and hip hop and all that. But he says, the way people treat you, you better be careful how the way you treat people coming up because when the phone stops ringing and you need people, other people's help, they're going to remember that. They're gonna remember how you treated them when you were hot, when you were hot like fish grease, and when you ain't hot like fish grease no more, and that phone stops ringing, they're gonna say, "Oh man, you know what? That guy, he was an asshole." He said, "I'm not gonna pick the, I'm not picking the phone up. He treated me like shit." You know what I mean? So you got to be very careful about how you approach your relationships because relationships are everything, not only in life but especially in the music business. <laughs> Either. Yes, because uh, what people don't realize is it's such a tiny business. Yes, correct. correct. And because of that, uh, you know, if I go outside and I'm in the music business and I 
park my car the wrong way, 10 of my friends are going to hear about it by Saturday night. Right. <laughs> right. Especially. And they're going to, and they're going to tell me what kind of car it was. And Hey, what's wrong with you driving the Lamborghini, man? What that one was about a 2010. What's wrong with you? You know, homeboy here got him a 2021. So yo, your thing's going down. What happened to you, man? Right. I mean, they'll find a way to grind you no matter what. Absolutely. Absolutely. And not be uppity. Right. Um, you know, when it comes to artists building their business, right? So let's say they've got their music right now. They figured out the music. They figured out their... But what are the things that you think they need that you... that some of the, What are some of the mistakes from a, that you see a lot of artists make that they can do better in in building their business, creating systems is essentially what I'm talking about. What do you how 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 does that play a role? How do you see that playing a role for artists? Because that's obviously systems is the power of any big business, especially we talk about scale, right? So they put systems in place to alleviate a lot of the um, the stuff that you don't really want to do. <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. So uh, great question. Uh, yeah. Confession: I've built over twenty independent companies. Okay. In my life, okay, in twelve different countries around the world, and that doesn't mean that they were all successful, but you know you got to step up to swing the bat, right? You right. got to get to go. If you don't, you know, there's a lot of people who can tell me, uh, you know, Mike, I've never made a mistake because I, I just, I see some companies that go out there and they fail. I've never made one mistake. So how many companies have you started? Oh, I ain't done none, none of my own. But, you know, if I was going to, this is what I would be doing. Right. So you've got people who are going to sit on the bench and, and point. Yes. Uh, then you've got people who were out in the field just doing it. Right. And every time that I did it, first time I did it, and I had a company basically kind of started out of the back of my car. No, uh-huh. I wasn't selling any nefarious items out of the back of my car. I mean that that was my office. Right. And um, I learned that if, if the best and easiest way to explain this is everybody can think about what it would take to run a lemonade stand. Okay. So let's do that just for a minute. Okay. So first we're going to need some resources, right? What we're right. going to need, Darrell? We're going to need, we got to make the product first, right? The product. There we go. Good. So yeah. what we're gonna get? What we go? What what, lemons, what are our basic ingredients? Lemons, probably some sugar, water. Right. Okay, so let's just go with those three ingredients just for now. So everybody probably agree with that. If they're listening to this as a podcast, that's how you make it. Pretty much, that's the deal. Now, so you put that down. Those are called your resources. That's how you make your product. Right. But that product, if nobody knows about it, is gonna rot. So now we need to come up with another silo, which is position, location, exposure. Gotcha. With the right positioning, location, exposure. Like if I take my lemonade stand and put it behind my grandmama's house, the only people going to see me is the guy feeding the chickens. (laughs) But if I go up to the road derail where there's Highway 44, there be trucks passing by, cars passing that. by, 
And his little love nigga, oh, look thing. at that cute little boy. Let's buy some lemonade from him. <laughs> so I've got the right exposure. So I've got a product. I've got exposure. Now, then there's, a, there's other parts of the, the business system, which most people intuitively, they believe that being cheap is the best way to go. Oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm, I know it's going to cost me one dollar to make this uh, deluxe glass of lemonade. Yeah. But, you know, to win customers, I'm going to sell it for 20 cents. I'm going to lose money, but I'm going to drive the competition out. Well, you just go ahead and do that then for about a week and see how long you last. Right. So sometimes it's not price. And when you're trying to go to your suppliers and you think you're going to get, oh, I'm going to get some good lemons from him. I'm going to get some cheap lemons from him. Just see what happens because at the end of the day, the quality resources that you purchase, even if you have to pay a bit more for them, they're worth it. Right. The, 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 the places that you go, do you have more exposure? I've got a better road or a bigger sign. And that's going to be worth it at the end. So you'll find out that you'll need more outlets to sell because you've got a great concept. And right. that's, that's when it comes down back to music. I think, you know, when somebody's got the factory, mm-hmm. you know, the factory is there, they can turn it out and turn it out and turn it out. They don't need to be all doing all those things. They give it to the right producer. They give it to the right agent. Let them take care of those things. And yes, of course, do they need to have some business savvy? Why not? Yeah. Um, can they, can they learn business savvy from reading books and looking at other examples? Absolutely. Right. Not to be numb and not to be dumb is, is to be, to be informed and to, to be armed in this world. But at the end of the day, um, when it comes to making a business, decide what it is you're going to make. If it's the lemon, lemonade, where are you going to get your resources? How are you going to position your product? And then once you've got that equation, how are you going to price it? Uh, where are you going to source your resources? Can you get them? Can you do better if you go wholesale it? Or can you, can you uh, come up with a more expensive lemonade by finding out that you got your lemons from Spain? Now you got imported lemons. Well, oh Susie down the street don't have imported. She's only got local Florida lemons. So it, you know the flies been on those lemons, but these are from Spain. See, so that's why we gotta charge five dollars for that glass of lemonade. Right. And so business is not just what it looks like. It requires thought. It requires strategy and requires systems. And look here. I'm going to show you something uh, on my podcast called Mission Impossible. I talk to and interview people who have overcome incredible things, incredible failures, incredible obstacles. And one of my guests uh, was a former Navy SEAL. Okay. Let me show you what he gave me. You see this here? Yes. Now, hang on. That's that's a little plug. That's that's me. <laughs> gotcha. But inside, this is his this is his invention. Okay. This is called a scrum on the go. Okay. These are things that you needed to get done, things you have to do, things you're in the process of doing, and things that you're getting ready to get done. This is a management tool yes. because every business has processes. Right. Processes sometimes are tasks to get done. 
people to speak to, projects to get started, uh, things to connect. And so you right. need to have something uh, to help you do that. So I, I spoke about him just for a moment, but now I'm going to tell you, because we've got a few minutes left, right. I'm going to tell you about one particular person who inspired me. My show, by the way, uh, does more for me than it does for anybody else. So right. I just love it. I have uh, so much fun finding these incredible guests that I know that these are the people that I could find a way to meet them and talk to them. I could, I could tell their story for two hours and never get tired. Right. And I'm going to tell you a story right okay. now of a little girl. Okay. So this little girl uh, was born in America. Uh, her mother is from overseas. Uh, her father was here in the States. And when she was born, the chances are that the nurses were in shock, may have broken into a tear, and were a little bit afraid to present the baby to the mother because the baby seemed and looked different to them. So they presented the baby to the mother and the father who accepted the baby with love and gratitude and took the baby home. But the baby was born with no arms. Okay. Now, this is the story about being differently abled. And, and how this young baby was differently abled was as she began to grow up in the age three, four, five years old, she started going to like the little playgrounds, you know, where they have the little merry-go-round and, and the swings. And right. kids would look at her and point because she was different. And, you know, that would be humiliating to most kids and probably was to her. Um, and she was probably confused about why am I different, etc. Right. But she was able somehow to find out from the love that she had from her parents that she was so loved that she could do anything she wanted to do. Right. And so can you believe it that she got accepted into, well, it was about six or seven years old, accepted into the dance recital. And, and the dance recital, she wanted to be in the second row, but the teacher pushed her in the front row. And now she's in the front row, smiling from ear to ear. She's dancing. She's in the tutu. Mm -hmm. I have pictures of it. And it's a ballet costume. And she has no arms and she doesn't care because mm -hmm. she is dancing her life away and dancing the night away and firing up the stage. Mm -hmm. And so after that success, she was emboldened. And she told her father she wanted to learn martial arts. Mm. So, of course, you know, when you're a young kid, you want to learn martial arts, you go into the martial arts class and you see other kids say, you know, you don't have arms. How are you going to learn martial arts? But this kid was determined and dedicated, devoted, and believed that everything that she ever tried in her life was possible. So a few years later, she got her black belt in Taekwondo, no arms. Wow. Wow. And then she told her dad, you know, dad, I'm 15. There's a lot of kids in my school. They're driving their car. I want to drive. <laughs> my girl. My girl, who had learned as a young child, brother, 
No arms. How do you tie your shoes? Right. How do you how do you tie your shoes? She learned how to tie her own shoes. She learned how to feed herself with her feet. Mm, yeah. She learned how to drive a car with no arms. Yeah. She got her driver's license. Mm. I remember when I was interviewing her, I said, did it ever happen where you got pulled over? <laughs> she was cracking up. She said, yeah, it did. So the guy didn't know what the officer didn't know what to say. He was like looking around to see who else was in the car. Right. So she's just such a great soul. I'm so happy to share her story with you. Right. Um, and, you know, here's somebody who would never be thought that she could ever do anything. And yet she's put her mind to it that she's been able to do everything. Right. More things than most of us would ever imagine. And when I heard the story about her driving, I said, my God, what courage, what 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 tenacity that must have taken. But Darrell, when I found out that her next ambition was to learn to fly a plane, I said, shut the door. <laughs> wow. So... She learned how to fly a plane with no arms. Wow. She's flying with her feet. Um, she um, does now. Uh, she has received a plane uh, to her foundation. And someone had gifted her the plane and their foundation. And because you mentioned to me that you, you'd like to talk sometimes about, about disability awareness. Is that what you right. said? Yeah. Yeah. Just well, because I have a disability, so that's you know. I'm with you, brother. So yeah. that's why I was saving the story, because right the week before I spoke to her, she was planning to do something called the Flight of Hope. Okay. Which was to fly from one side of the United States to the other coast. Obviously, she'd have to stop. This is a small plane, so it has to get refuel constantly, and she had other team members who were flying another plane just to make sure, you know, that they coordinated the fuel and the changes, et cetera. But she picked up Senator Harkin, who had been on the committees to fight for uh, dis disability uh, benefits, uh, the way that they create buildings, schools, et cetera. Every, that was his committee. That was his wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. And he was just retiring from the Senate and she flew him home in her plane wow. and raised awareness for disabled people, people with different abilities, people who were differently abled. Mm -hmm. Such an inspiring person, such an inspiring person to me, who okay. I get up in the morning and I, I'm such a horrible American because I take for granted everything I have. I take for granted my eyes and my nose and my hands and, and my feet, and here she is. She wakes up every morning. This is not a competition. This is her life. Right. And she's doing, spending, and devoting her life, much like yourself, to raise awareness for other people, to let them know that, you know what? Just because you can't, you're thinking and you're focusing on what you think you don't have, right? you can have all that you imagine. You might do it differently. You might have different timing, but everything is possible. And that's why my show is called Mission I'm Possible, because I look for people like that 
And I know for sure today I'm going to definitely be having somebody who's in a music production business and mentor business coming on my show real soon. Hey. And boy, are we going to have us a good old time. We're going to have a great time. Uh, man, MJ, you have been – and we got to do a part two of this just because I want to get a little bit deeper into your story. And so later on down, whatever, we, we want to. But I'm going to have you back on and we're going to talk about but I mean, yeah, that's an amazing, amazing story. You know, people, and it just let people know, I think most people look at people with disabilities as, what can they do for me, right? Why, why, why should I spend time with these people? And I can speak for myself in terms of dating, right? Because I think a lot of women um, are a lot of times afraid of, this guy has a disability and I really like this guy, but what does that really mean for me? Cause I'm not used to that. Right. So I think, you know, I don't want, pe I don't want people to get dismissed because of stuff that's out of their control. You know what I mean? So, so that's why I'm so passionate about being a voice for people with, with disabilities, because I can talk, I, I can, get on planes and travel. I can do these things and show people, hey, look, I'm normal. I, yeah, I have a physical impairment, but, you know, that doesn't stop me from doing the things that I, you know, the really things that I want to do. I mean, how people can say they've been in my situation, been to six countries, you know, and, and did the things that I've done. And, and you know, and so I, I, I love that story. I love that story that she's been able to do that and, I'm gonna have you gotta put me in touch with her because now I have to get her on my podcast. <laughs> All right, her name, her name, follow her. Her name is Jessica Cox, and okay. every time I see a post that she does, um, I I use a hashtag, and it's called Jessica Cox Rocks because she's awesome. So if you're out there and you see her post, Jessica Cox, gotcha. So she's the I, she's the world's first armless pilot. Okay, I'm going to look her up. Hold on. And we're doing it right now as we speak. Jessica Cox. Right footed. Looks like that's who she is. Yes, sir. That's her. Okay. I'm going to reach out to her and let her know that uh, I found out about her through you. And I'm definitely going to invite her to be a guest. I'm so proud that you would mention me. I. I have to be at least, I think, one of her biggest fans on this great earth. Awesome. Yeah, she would be perfect for my podcast. And, and, and so I will definitely be reaching out to her for sure. Well, MJ, it has been a pleasure. Uh, we've covered, even in this short time, we've covered so many gems you've dropped today. So many on this conversation that can be applicable, not only to artists, but to entrepreneurs, to people in general that uh, want to build something of value, right? So I want to thank you for being my guest. Where can people find you that are interested in getting to know more about you? Well, now you mentioned that. Uh, my website is Coach MJ Tolan, T-O-L-A-N. My YouTube channel is Coach MJ Tolan, T-O-L-A-N. <laughs> and if you don't know how to spell T-O-L-A-N by now, Go back to the first example. <laughs> gotcha. 
Cool. Great. Man, well, thank you so much for being here today, guys. And this has been the Encourage Inspire podcast. I'm your host, Jarrell Peart. And until next time, I'm out of here. Peace.